Finally, Gonzalo Lira is with us. Gonzalo, you gave us another uh, scare last week. We are so happy to see you safe and well. We pray for your safety, to be honest. Thank you. And we uh, look forward to what you have to say. Um, since we last spoke, uh, the the boundary, if you like, or the the lines on the map have been uh, seesawing back and forward. The supporters of uh, Zelensky were rejoicing just days ago about uh, Ukrainian breakthroughs and so on. They're not rejoicing now. Tell us how the war has ebbed and flowed from your standpoint. Well, from my standpoint, I'm in Kharkov, in the city of Kharkov. And uh, last, uh, when was it, September 9th, there was uh, simultaneous strikes by uh, the uh, Russian forces. They hit uh, like about a dozen targets all in one go. Uh, and then on Sunday, when we were supposed to speak, they uh, knocked out the lights and they did it again on Tuesday. Sort of like, sort of like to prove a point, but there's also been some shrewd guessing that it might have been to shut down the electrical system in the country so as to slow down the movement of troops and materiel because uh, the train system works on electricity. And uh, it, it, they simply, the Zelensky regime does not have the gasoline necessary to move uh, all that equipment on the roads. And so uh, knocking out the electricity sort of like freezes a bit the, the, the movement of troops on the side of the Zelensky regime. But those are speculations. Nobody's really sure why uh, Russia uh, on uh, September 9th for the first time hit uh, targets within the city and hit them hard, uh, but just the one go. And then on Sunday last uh, and then Tuesday again, they knocked out the lights. Nobody's clear why, but I've said this before many times that um, the Italians are very good at food and the French are very good at fashion. And, but the Russians, they're good at war, whatsoever you might think of them. And uh, they don't make a move unless they have a clear plan, a clear priority. They, they never act impulsively. And so whatever movements they've been doing have been very deliberate. And that includes the offensives that have taken place over the last uh, few weeks that have been, quite frankly, an unmitigated disaster for the Zelensky regime because the losses are just, they are obscene at this point. There were essentially three offensives that took place in the last days of August and into September. This is the famed offensive that the Zelensky regime was saying that they were going to do, that they've been talking about it since April at least, or at least that's, I remember hearing that they were going to do it starting in April, that it would be an August offensive. And the days of August were sliding by and no offensive. And finally, there was an offensive. Now, the rumor... Uh, that seems to be credible, is that uh, Zaluzny, who is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, was against these offensives because he wanted to husband the resources of the Zelensky regime um, uh, military and perhaps do an offensive next year, next spring. But Zelensky, for various reasons, especially to show off to his Western sponsors that the, the uh, war in Ukraine was still a viable business venture, uh, there was a big meeting on September 8th uh, with uh, his American sponsors. And so they launched this offensive and they were on three fronts. 
from the south, it was in Kherson. Then slightly to the east of Kherson was the Zaporozhye Offensive. And then on the um, eastern edge of the of the contact line, it was in the Kharkov region. I'm in the city of Kharkov. And uh, the region that was in dispute is uh, approximately 40 kilometers from where I am. And so um, there were these three offensives. And long story short, uh, insofar as Kherson offensive was concerned and the Zaporozhye offensive, it's credibly estimated that over 4,000 Ukrainian soldiers were killed in each of those offensives. That is a total of 8,000 there. In terms of casualties, it's not known, but the, the typical figure is usually it's 2 to 1 to 3 to 1. So and in addition to those 8,000 men killed, likely an approximately 15,000 more troops uh, severely wounded, incapacitated. So that's a loss of at least 23,000 men. And in the Kharkov offensive, well, this has been much vaunted at the time that it happened. Both sides were a little bit hysterical. The Zelensky regime cheerleaders thought that this was a great victory, that this showed that the Russians could be beaten, blah, blah. And on the pro-Russian side, a lot of people also got hysterical and saying, oh, we're losing the war and this is a disaster and whatnot. But, you know, in any large confrontation like this, there are always going to be ebbs and flows. and There are always going to be setbacks and breakthroughs. Uh, what happened, though, it's becoming increasingly clear, and most serious commentators will agree with what I have to say, is that the, uh, uh, the Russians knew that this offensive in Kharkov was coming, as well as the ones in Kherson and Zaporozhye. And so far as Kherson and Zaporozhye, for all of the men that they threw, into battle, the front lines didn't move an inch, not as a practical matter. There is a one particular salient that has been uh, created by the Zelensky regime forces, but uh, in Kiroy Rug, I, I have a hard time pronouncing the name of the city there, the Russians destroyed a dam uh, specifically in order to flood the river. This river, as it flooded, it wiped out the pontoon bridges and cut off the salient. And so now the salient doesn't have the possibility of resupply, reinforcements, or retreat. And it's slowly being destroyed right now as we speak. And there are credible estimates of between three and 7,000 men in that salient. And so it, it, this will be in addition to the losses that I mentioned before. Now, insofar as the Kharkov offensive, the Russians knew that this was coming. The, that Zaporoz, uh, that Kharkov uh, flank was being guarded by um, Rosgardia, who are basically uh, 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 border guards, territorial militia type. They're, they're not just second tier, but third tier uh, soldiers. They're not even supposed to be properly soldiers. They're more akin to military police. And those people and many of the civilians who had been assisting the Russians and evacuated uh, quite some time ago. And so um, one was that uh, Alexander Kuris put it very, very well that for all intents and purposes, the Zelensky resources were pioneer. Uh By the way, do you hear me still? Or, or because on my end, it's sort of frozen. I do hear you. Hello? Uh, I do. I do hear Hello? you. Uh, although uh, it's uh, I do hear you. Please stay on the line. Uh, I, I want to respond to one or two of the points that you made, Gonzalo. 
if uh, if it had been the Americans and the British, all yeah. of your electricity, power and dams would have been destroyed in the first hours of the war. I'm not looking in the crystal ball about that. I'm looking at the record of the invasion attack on Iraq, for example. Uh, not just the big war in 2003, but the smaller war against Iraq in 1990. The first things that were incapacitated were the electricity supply, the sewage and water supply, things that contributed mightily to the death of large numbers of children through insanitary conditions, lack of clean water and so on. So uh, the Russians waited six months to knock out your lights. We wouldn't have waited six hours uh, before uh, doing it. You want to respond? Come back. Yeah, uh, I'm back. We got cut off. Um, anyway, what I was saying is that the the um, they had a reason to do that, and what, whatsoever that reason might have been, it, it's obscure to us. But they have uh, this kind of attack of hitting any kind of civilian infrastructure is always done for a military reason. They destroyed the dam at Kiroi Rog. Uh, and they did it for a specific reason. It was not to flood the city or to prevent the citizens from getting uh, water, but rather so as to flood the river, which would cut off uh, a salient that has emerged in the uh, Kherson offensive. And so uh, the Russians, they always have a clear plan and a clear military goal insofar as any attack that they stage. Now, insofar as the Kharkov offensive, uh, my colleague and friend Alexander Mercurius said it best that the Russians knew that that offensive was coming, and there was a great deal of hysteria on both sides claiming that this was a great victory for Ukraine, a great loss for Russia. Looking at it after the fact, it was, in fact, a uh, very spectacular defeat because over 4,000 men were killed in the Kharkov offensive, most of them, the vast majority of them, on the uh, Zelensky regime side. Uh, insofar as the Russians were concerned, they knew that this offensive was coming and they decided that rather than defend this area that had no real military value, they would pull back um, to the river that was to the east of them, get behind that river uh, to fortified positions that they've already prepared, evacuate both the military personnel and the civilians and let the Zelensky regime forces walk into this empty territory and pound them with artillery because you have to keep in mind that when you you are in in two defensive lines uh when you decide to attack you have to get out from your defenses and expose yourself and if you don't have um air defense systems or aircraft that can support you you're going to be exposed to the artillery and the aircraft of your opposition which is exactly what happened and so it's estimated Incredibly estimated that in this offensive in Kharkov, the Russians lost just a, a couple of hundred people, including prisoners of war, whereas the Ukraine side suffered 4,000 dead and um, likely, but it's not known, but likely uh, an additional 8,000 to 10,000 wounded, incapacitated. So altogether, these three offenses in, in Kherson, in uh, Zaporozhye, and in Kharkov, they cost, credibly cost, the Zelensky regime some 12,000 men 
and an additional, possibly as high as an additional 24,000 casualties in terms of wounded, incapacitated. This is catastrophic. Even if you look at the most conservative figures, it's likely that they lost about 25,000 men. It can, it's going to be a range, and we'll never really know, but between 25,000 and 36,000 men. That's roughly the expected losses that they suffered. And they didn't gain anything except cow country in the Kharkov region. And so now... Now, you mentioned, area, uh, you mentioned sorry? something, uh, Gonzalo, that I was going to raise with you, which is sure. the tension that appears to be emerging between the military leadership in Kiev and uh, the political regime uh, of uh, Zelensky. Now, of course, uh, Poroshenko, the ex-president of Ukraine, who is under criminal indictment by Zelensky, has close ties to uh, the Ukrainian military. And the release of the news, I've actually read the paper, that's how widely it's been released, uh, mm-hmm. which indicated the opposition of the military brass to these uh, quite clearly sponsor, sponsored uh, offensives uh, that were launched by Zelensky. The military brass were very clearly saying they did not want to do this. They wanted to yeah. wait until they had the weapons that could reach deep inside Russia, till they had the men and the materiel. It was Zelensky who drove these two highly expensive offensives. Mm-hmm. Does this Is this pregnant with political change in Kiev? Could we see a military coup in Kiev? That's a good question, and I can't possibly know, to tell you the truth, to be quite uh, frank and, and upfront about it. And frankly, nobody can really know. Uh, that that kind of inside baseball kind of minutia of the political machinations between the various factions in Kiev, nobody can really know. And anybody who claims to really know is probably lying. Uh, because all the, the, that kind of palace intrigue, uh, you only find out about it long after the fact, long after the conflict is over. Uh, what is happening at this time, I don't think it's particularly productive to be very concerned about that. Uh, because you're never really going to know. And so I'm very pragmatic in that in that sense. I don't bother with that kind of uh, inside baseball issue because there is no way to credibly know. There are rumors that the military was very much against this, that Zaluzny wanted to wait until the spring of 2023 for any kind of serious offensive. But now that this offensive has happened, Rather than doing the sensible thing, which would have been, okay, we scored a victory, let's see about negotiating, uh, uh, negotiating a ceasefire with the Russians, they're doubling down because they're believing their own public relations. They're, they're believing their own baloney. And what they want to do is another offensive. Now, if the Zelensky regime keeps on having these uh, victorious offensives, they're going to wind up losing the whole war because no army can sustain this level of casualties. This is the key issue, that the number of dead and wounded incapacitated is astronomical. You have to understand here, in these three offenses, uh, offensives rather, you lost, lost for sure, at least 10,000 men. This is for sure, for sure. And and the, the likely number is closer to 12. And in terms of the wounded, 
you've got another 20,000 that you lost. Altogether, you're talking 30,000 men who are out of commission. That is the size of a decent-sized stadium. You cannot continue uh, a, a war, a defensive war in this case, with those kinds of losses. But now they're doubling down because they're believing their own nonsense. They believe that they had this glorious victory in Kharkov because the propaganda has gotten away from them and they're living in a kind of fantasy land. And, and which is really what the West is, what's happening in the West because, you know, the, the West, they keep on going with these sanctions and they don't realize that in this winter, people are going to go cold, dark and hungry because of the sanctions, because they've so internalized their own propaganda. They don't realize that, that they have been lying to the public and now they have started to believe their own lies. They, they, they've lost touch mm-hmm. with reality. And I'm equating the Zelensky regime with the European leadership because the Zelensky regime, as we all know, is a puppet of the West. And, and they're just driving themselves and the, and the country of Ukraine off a cliff. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I was believing, believing their, believing their own baloney, Gonzalo, yeah. is a phrase that will ring and live. But I'm very, very happy. I'm seldom as happy as I am now to have reestablished contact with you. May God protect you and that we talk again soon. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows.